time for the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King has never let that stop him from attaining his goal on becoming a blind broadcaster. And now, here's the blind broadcaster himself, Luther King. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast, a proud entity of Luther King Podcast Network. My guest today is the longtime voice of the NAU Lumberjacks, Mitch Stroman. If you have suggestions or people you'd like to have on the podcast, please email me at luther.king.tsb at gmail.com. You can also find me that way on Facebook as well. Look up the Luther King Broadcast Network Facebook page for information about the network, the Blind Broadcaster Podcast Facebook page to learn more about this podcast, and you can check out my website, LutherKingBroadcastNetwork.com. Please rate, subscribe, and review on your favorite podcast directory and platforms. And you can find me also on Twitter at King underscore TSB and Instagram at LKing.CardinalsFan85. My guest for the Blind Broadcaster Podcast is the longtime voice of the Northern Arizona University Lumberjacks, who are part of the Big Sky Conference. And I'm joined by the broadcaster for the Lumberjacks, Mitch Stroman. Mitch, thanks for the time. Oh, Luther, it's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me to, to be a part of the podcast. And um, it's great to, to talk with you here from out in uh, the Grand Canyon State in Arizona. Yeah, a place that gets snow. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think it's a myth that they don't get snow. Oh, they do. Oh, I yes. saw some of your posts on Facebook about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you got that right, Luther. Um, a lot of people don't think about that because they, they think Arizona, they think Phoenix, they think Tucson, yep. which is fine. That's, that's good to think that. Those are the two biggest cities in Arizona, and they're hot. But uh, we're up here at 7,000 feet above sea level in the mountains of northern Arizona, and we get about 100 inches of snow a year. So, yeah, we get we definitely get some snow in Flagstaff. 7,000 feet in altitude? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. 7,000 feet above sea level. And, that's got to be, uh, that's got to be over Albuquerque because Albuquerque, isn't that, I think that's like 5,200 feet above altitude. Yeah. It's, we're, we are, we are a division one team that I think, uh, if my memory serves me, Luther, we're the second highest elevation for a division one team in the country. Um, the only one I believe in D1 that, that is at a higher elevation than us are the uh, Cowboys at the University of Wyoming in Laramie. Wow. Yeah. that's in, And they're in the Mountain West. You bet. You bet, man. So, yeah, we're, we, are, uh, we don't get to 100 degrees like Phoenix and Tucson does. We, we are we're a beautiful mountain climate, pine trees, snow, skiing. Um, you know, our summers are spectacular here with – you know, temperatures rarely getting into the 90s and, and uh, just, a, just a gorgeous place to live. Like the Rocky Mountains, except without, well, I guess mountains as well. So, like <laughs> the Rockies. You bet. So, when did you know broadcasting was going to be for you? Or was there a particular, like, eureka moment where a young mixed Strowman saw that broadcasting would be your life's work? Great question. Um, and, and I really got to go back in the time machine to, to pull the answer out of that one because I was, I, I, I did not think about that as a, as a thing for me until a, a, a kind of a, just an accidental thing in college. 
I went to college in Minnesota, St. Cloud State University. Oh, which uh, very, name, very prestigious hockey school. Yep. In fact, they're you know national runners up. They lost to UMass in the Frozen Four in the championship game over the weekend, unfortunately. But um, you know it, that's where I went to college, and you know I went there not thinking about sports casting in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I wanted to be a meteorologist. I wanted to be a weather what? guy. Yeah, um, I'm a big science geek, Luther, and you know that was kind of where I was thinking. Now, to be fair, mm-hmm. I grew up a huge sports fan played sports as a kid and through high school um you know baseball football hockey was was a huge sports nut right basically so, anything in season exactly exactly so you know i'm in my sophomore year at st cloud state and um, my my roommate worked at the campus radio station Oh and that was, you know, that was cool. I, I thought that was kind of a cool thing that he that he did. Anyway, one one uh, one afternoon on a Saturday, I get a call in the in my dorm in our dorm room from him, and he's at the radio station on campus, and he's in this panic mode, and he's like, "Hey, Stroman, Stroman, um, you know, our our guy that does play by play on the campus radio station for our baseball team for the uh, Huskies baseball team, he's sick today, he can't do it." And I know that you're, you know, a huge fan of the of our of our team, and you know the players, and you know the stats, which I did. I used to go to the games as a student, right? I loved our team. And he goes, "Hey, I'm desperate here. Would you be willing to come and do the game on our campus radio station?" And I was completely caught off guard by that, Luther. And and I said, "Well, I, I I don't even know how to use your equipment or anything like that." And and he says, "Don't worry about it. It's easy. We'll show you how to do it. If if you if you meet us down at the at the stadium at the baseball field, we'll have it all set up. We'll show you what to do. It's real simple. But I know you know the team. I know you know baseball. Would you do this?" And I said, "Okay, sure." And I I made that that leap. Right. I I took that leap of faith and. And and went down there and called the game. It was scary as hell. I'm not going to lie to you. I was I was I was so nervous. It wasn't even wasn't even funny. And I I think my first couple of innings, my voice was really high, and I was you know just like all over the map trying Me- to call. Meter, the baseball meter was game. way in the in the high red district. <laughs> Isn't that true? And but you know after the first couple of innings, I remember feeling comfortable with it starting to get comfortable and getting into a little bit of my stride calling balls and strikes and the action and by the end of the game it was I mean I was loving it we won the game Um, it was a good game to call it was exciting game close game and I get back to the dorm room and my roommate says man you did a great job you sounded so good and you know would you be willing to do this again sometime and I said oh sure that sounds cool and so I I did another couple of games and then he's like well why don't you come down to the radio station would you be interested in doing you know like some sports reports because again everyone in my that know knew me in college knew that I was like Stroman the sports nut also (laughs) and so I started going down there and doing just a little bit of like little sports reports on the uh, campus radio station and it just clicked it just clicked, and I changed everything. I, I changed my major, decided to go into 
um, uh, broadcast journalism. That was how you did it at, at, at that time. Uh, at my college at St. Cloud State, you had to go through through a broadcast journalism degree and uh, change my minor to speech. And boy, it just took off from there. So, no, I, that's a long answer to your good question. How did it kind of happen? What was that, 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 that moment? And that was the moment. It was, a, it was a total accident because the guy that was doing play-by-play got sick on a Saturday. But take me back, though, because... When you get the call, but you, I don't know if you had the roster with you or how that worked or if they had it posted up in the press box, how were you able to get all your information while also trying to make sure you can still actually call the game without going completely off your rocker? Yeah, that, that's a, that's a great question actually. And, and, and I knew our, I knew our players. So again, did I was a fan of our team, so I sure. knew our guys. And and but I'm just I saying, can, taking I, taking fandom out of it, when you right. have to put the broadcast hat on, because usually, from what I hear from a lot of broadcasters, is once you become a broadcaster, you have to kill the fan. Ex- exactly. Except not me, and and I think that's one of the things that sets me a little bit apart from some is that I I consider myself to be a fan and an entertainer first. I'm trying to entertain my listeners and my viewers on television as much as possible um, while informing them of what I'm seeing on the field of play. But to, to your question about how I did that at that moment, so, yeah, I knew our guys, but I couldn't tell you the, the other guys from Adam. And so fortunately, though, they did have like a, uh, like a program that uh, the, the athletic department produced, and I literally was handed a program, and it had the roster of the other team. And the other thing, Luther, is that when I've always been, since I was a little kid, my dad um, showed me, taught me how to keep score of baseball games. And I loved that so much that when I used to go to baseball games, professional baseball games as a kid, mm-hmm. I would always have my scorebook with me. And I would keep score of the game. I'd have my baseball glove on one hand, and then I would have my, my pencil on the other hand, and I would be keeping score of the game while I have my glove on just in case a foul ball comes my way. And I, I'm really good at keeping score of the game. I have a, my own little system, and my dad helped me to learn that when I was a little kid. So I, 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 there was a little scorecard in the program that I was given. And I was able to take, you know, the starting lineup, you know, from the announcer. And I had a roster and put those teams, put our team, St. Cloud State, and the other team, uh, which is funny because I can't remember who we played. Isn't that weird? And um, I think it was Bemidji. random team X. I think it was Bemidji State, but I, I that's that's a it's a memory I'm cloudy with. for some Another reason. another hockey powerhouse. Along another with hockey powerhouse. Yep. And yep, absolutely. All the visuals that, we, that you're discussing. And um, I, I, so I kept score of the game as I was calling the game sure. and was able then to kind of reference back to, well, you know, this guy, Jim Eisenreich, is up. He's two for three in this game with, the, you know, a double and a single and an RBI. You know, so I was, I was able to take that little tiny bit of information that I had, keeping score of the game. We didn't have Internet back then. There were, you know, no, I didn't have a computer with me, laptop. I mean, this was this is pre-internet, legal pad, sketch pad. Uh, yes. So that's how I I was able to do the broadcast 
was was by simply kind of uh, throwing it together uh, with a program and a scorecard and a pencil. <laughs> I was going to ask if there was a pregame show, but I guess being on a campus station, there was none because it was probably no. like five minutes. Yeah, there was there was no real pregame show. It was just like you come on, um, and national anthem had already played even, so it was almost come on. It's time for the first pitch, and yeah, uh, yeah and then post game show really there really wasn't. It was just basically a recap. Um, you know, St. Cloud State wins the game, runs, hits, errors, and thank you for listening, everybody, here on uh, KVSC AM. I mean, and was that was it? And sign off. No, no coaches interviews. No, no player of the game. No, there was that. no coach or player interviews. I, I think they didn't want to overwhelm me more than I already was, <laughs> because you know it was again. I'm I, I was not a broadcaster. I wasn't going to school for broadcasting specifically, and and uh, I was pretty, as I said earlier, nervous. And I think they just tried to to keep it very simple, very easy. So that uh, this this sophomore in college who had never done this before could actually do it. So when you leave college, when you leave St. Cloud State, how did the current job come out within a year when you've been there for a pretty good minute? Yeah, I'd say a minute. Um, I've been here in Flagstaff now for uh, 32 years, wow. and um, yeah, and I've. You know, I go back with calling play-by-play for Northern Arizona University all the way back to 1991 when I called my very first football game. And it wasn't even on radio, Luther. It was uh, on local cable television. And uh, I was working in Flagstaff at uh, local radio station as the news and sports director there. And um, I got a call from the campus television station folks here at northern arizona university again this was 1991 Ooh. and they said hey um you know this is nau tv services um you know we you know we know who you are we listen to you on the radio um would you be available to potentially do play-by-play for a football game for the lumberjacks that we're going to broadcast on the local cable local cable local cable access station and um, I jumped at that. I did. That was one moment where it was like, yes, where, when, where, what time, what do you need? And um, in fact, it was it wasn't even for pay. It was just a volunteer spot. And I said, absolutely, would love to do that. And um, called a called a lumberjack football game in 1991. That was my first ever play-by-play for Northern Arizona University. So, yeah, I've been here for a minute. And, um, you know, this is my 21st year as the radio voice of the NAU Lumberjacks. So I'm I'm coming up on my 1,000th overall game on the radio for the NAU Lumberjacks. Do you know the date of exactly when game 1,000 will hit? You know, I I don't. It's a good question, though. But the problem with that now is uh, covid you know, and yeah. yeah, you know, so like, you know, we didn't have a football season in 2020. So that that messed up the that schedule. Uh, we had a uh, reduced basketball season that we just got out of in March. Uh, we played, I think, uh, 10, 11 fewer games than we would have played in hoops. So, you know, I got to do some recalculation there. But roughly, Luther, it should be – I should be hitting that 1,000th career Lumberjack radio game 
in about a season and a half from now, wow. roughly. So, you know, a year and a half, maybe two years, and I'll hit that 1,000 mark. It's, and it's it's something that, that um, I'm very proud of. And, and you know, it's it, you don't get a lot doing what we do. You know this. I mean, you don't. It's not something that, that gets you a lot of, of uh, pay at our level. And um, one of the things that, that is it's going to mean something to me when I hang up the headset here and at some point is, hey, I, I was able to be with this with this program calling Lumberjack football and basketball and other sports for, you know, more than a thousand games. That that will be something I can look back on and, and hopefully uh, share with my grandkids with pride. Now, how is it? when you're doing the simulcast, especially with football, because I know when the Predators first came into the league, they were doing the simulcast of radio TV. They did that for the first little while, but I've never known at the college level. It's the radio TV simulcast because you're doing the pregame show on radio. Yeah. With your broadcast partner, I'm guessing, or are you flying solo with the pregame show? And then you just have your broadcast partner and sideline person join you on the TV and radio commentary side. So yeah, it's unique. Um, yeah, it's old. It it's it's very old school, Luther. Um, mm-hmm. Simulcasts used to be very normal, uh, even in the professional ranks, like in the National Basketball Association and pro leagues. Check um, they, Yeah, they used to do simulcasts, and um, nowadays, that's I, I don't know who else out there is other I than think us. The Dal- sure. I think the Dallas Stars, and I think yeah. Oh, great! That's great. Dallas That's Stars. True. I do remember seeing that. Yeah, I remember when they when they started doing that again. It was like, oh right, somebody else is out there now doing it. That's a great poll, Luther. Um, but and that it was is when they had Strangers and uh, Ralph Strangers and Dave, the late Dave Strader, who passed around not too long ago. And now right. it's Josh uh, Bogorod. Strader's great call, man. He's a great broadcaster. Uh, yeah. and, and, but in it, I'll tell you, it's. It's not easy. Um, the thing, the thing that that we've been able to do is we've finally have kind of figured it out for us how how to make it work. It it has so many logistical issues to it. You yeah, have that's what I was wondering, like how? Yeah, I mean, you have you have two different formats, and you've got to try to find a way to, to make those formats compatible. Cool. Um, and that's that's something that that I have worked on over the past fifteen years, and and it's. We've got it down pretty much to a science now, but that doesn't mean that it's easy. It, it requires me, for example, as the play-by-play guy, to have two different IFBs in my headset. Oh, my in Lord. My, in my left ear on my headset, I can hear my, my producer and director from the television side. And in my right ear in my headset, I, have, uh, I can hear the, the radio engineer who's board-opping the game. So, and that took some time for me to kind of figure out how to how to do that, and uh, so it, it it requires me to call the game, manage the flow of the broadcast because I am also the executive producer of the of the TV side because I run NAU Television Services, and you know help to manage that flow a little bit, uh, call the game, call the action, do all the broadcast work. But then also I have to to manage commercial breaks. Uh, sometimes if we get out of sync a little bit, it's up to me to try to to, to bring it back into sync. Um, also, if I'm having any equipment issue on the radio side, 
anything from bad internet to uh, uh, maybe a short in a cable. I have to be able to troubleshoot that on the fly as I'm broadcasting and figure out what that problem is and, and fix it. So it, it pushes me to and beyond my limit sometimes. And, and, and it's not perfect. It, we've had you know issues in the past and, and challenges that we weren't able to overcome, maybe audio issues, et cetera, like that, that I could not you know troubleshoot and, and fix uh, in real time. But 95% of the time, or maybe even a little bit more than 95%, it, we've got it down. And, you know, now it's kind of a routine, like muscle memory. You know, it's, it's, it's become something where I, I know exactly how I have to, first of all, build my radio equipment into the TV equipment to have the two pieces mesh um, from the technical side. I've become a bit of a kind of a closet uh, uh, amateur engineer in a way to be able to deal with that side of things, Luther, and then manage the broadcast. And then during the call, you know, I, I, um, I tend to lean a little bit more heavily toward a radio type of call where I'm, I'm speaking more, but it's, it's a hybrid. I, I probably speak a little bit less than I do with a straight radio call with no TV and then a little bit more than what I would be doing if I just did a straight TV call, right? Sure. So, in t you know, as you know, in TV, uh, more is less. Less is more in terms of play-by-play. -play. In radio, it's it's you you, you got to be talking all the time. So it's it's a little bit of a blend between the two with a with a lean toward the more of the radio side. But you know, the TV viewers don't seem to mind uh, that I'm I'm speaking more. Uh, on the TV side of things, we've never really had any complaints about that over 15 years, and as long as as it as it keeps working like that, uh, we're we're keeping to do the we're continuing to do the uh, the, the, the simulcasts. And it's got to be a good thing when you have had the same color analyst for a while. Oh yeah. Football. Oh my gosh, yeah. I can't even I can't even describe that in words almost. It's we Kevin Stevens and I have been together calling NAU football now. I believe this is our eighteenth season right now here in that spring season. Um again, I kind of lost the count a little bit because we didn't play football in twenty twenty. Right. But um, you know, we've we've been together now for nearly twenty years. I can say that, right? And um we're good friends, both in and outside of the of the booth. Uh, he's probably one of my best friends, period, in my in my life, next to my wife, and um, and it's 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 cool because I called him as a player. He was a quarterback for for NAU back in the 1990s, and I was on the headset calling the games on the simulcasts when when Kevin was was slinging the football in the blue and the gold of NAU football, and and um, so I've known him since he was a player at NAU. And now we have become very, very close friends. And the thing is, it's it's like anything with a great friendship over time, Luther, is that you develop that that ability to to be able to read each other's thoughts. It's almost people call us almost they, they have fun with us on social media sometimes and and, and they, they go, You guys are like a married an old married couple and, and that's that's a great analogy because we tease each other, we needle each other, we have fun with each other, we laugh with each other. Um 
We, and if you can't we, do that, then there's no point of a broadcast. No, exactly. And and we have so much fun together in the broadcast booth. And and we've always felt that, and I feel very strongly about this, if you are not having fun as a sportscaster calling a game and you're not really enjoying it, then your your listeners or your viewers are going to feel the same way. They're going to be able to sense you. So the two of us, we, we, have, we have fun. We get after each other. Uh, we challenge each other. He'll correct me sometimes. I'll correct him, and we'll laugh at it. And and the if the the viewers and the listeners seem to really really enjoy that camaraderie that we have as we're calling the game. And it's it's been a it's been a great partnership. Like I said, a uh, like an old married couple uh, now for almost twenty years. So when Learfield IMG College, when it was at the time, this Learfield approached you guys. Was the simulcast one of the biggest things you wanted to keep in, or was that something well, that we're going to let you guys keep anyway? They they had not really had anything like that, and I'm not I'm not entirely certain if they have any other of their properties that that do that type of. A I don't thing think so because if, if they if they have, I've not heard it because you no. Know, and and they had to they had to adjust to that a little bit, and and they've been so phenomenally supportive of that issue you know in in it from a from a just a simple budgetary standpoint it's it makes it makes sense because what it does is you don't have to pay for two different play-by-play people two different color people um you don't have to have two different sets of of production issues um so there there's a cost savings there as well mm-hmm. and it, it, the thing is, when we went into to the relationship with with Learfield IMG College, uh, which was now almost five years ago, um, we had a pretty successful model in place, and um, it's you know it, it sells ads, and you're able to can kind of give uh, 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 business partners and advertisers um, a, a real a real bonus. You're getting commercials on NAU television. Uh, and, and in some cases, you know, we're on, on on what used to be called Fox Sports back in the years in Arizona, and and uh, and on TV stations in the Phoenix area. You're getting you're getting your your business exposed on television. You're getting your business exposed also on radio, and and there's there's some really good bang for that advertising buck. So it's there there are some positives to it, but yeah, they they definitely were like, you know, how do you do this? We, you know, what's the model? What does it look like? And and they had to make some adjustments for us, and they have been just incredible, supportive, and wonderful partners uh, for those uh, for our first five years with those guys. What was the toughest challenge doing radio to simulcast, or since you were doing TV first before you moved to radio full time? What was the toughest transition when you were able to, you know, get the simulcast back or if you knew you were just going to do radio only? You know, and I do both because, um, you know, I don't simulcast when, when I'm on the road. That's just radio only. Right. And and uh, the more traditional sense of this, this past Saturday, for example, when we were playing at Southern Utah University on uh, April 10th, um, that game with Kevin and I was on the Lumberjack Radio Network only. Only home games are simulcast. You know, the biggest challenge probably is, um, to be perfectly honest with you, in the simulcast side of things, the biggest challenge is, is, is knowing when to or getting a feel for 
when to lay out a little bit because it's it's tough in radio laying out is something that you can you should only you know save for the most dramatic of moments to to let the listener kind of hear the crowd go and you know maybe a game-winning touchdown at the end but in radio again you you you're you're speaking almost all the time in television laying out's a big part of of helping to build the the drama and painting that picture um and captioning that picture pardon me for the television side so there's no there's no science to that luther it's just a feel thing and um you know i'm sure at some point i can i could probably go back and say hey i should have laid out a little more here mm-hmm. or i should have been more vocal on this instance but again i i just go with what i get in terms of feedback from our listeners and our viewers and so far it, it's been it's been a it's been a positive all the way around and you know the other part of it too is is probably one of the biggest challenges honestly on the technical side of of the radio television simulcast luther is if if there's if we get off sync on the formats which can happen um sometimes i have got to um uh just kind of speak in a way to keep the radio listeners engaged while the tv side resyncs with us so, for example, might come out of a radio commercial break, mm-hmm. and instead of us coming out at radio and TV at the same moment, which is what we usually do, sometimes that gets off sync, and I might come out of a radio break and have to fill 30 seconds and then rejoin the television people in when they come out of their break and make that smooth, make that a smooth transition. So, you know, it might require me to, to do – you know, say 30 seconds of fill on the radio, and I'm watching the clock on the TV side, seeing when, you know, counting it down and seeing at the end of the commercial on my monitor, we're coming out of TV, and then I've got to kind of adjust there on the fly and on the air live, rejoin the television viewers, and make that sound smooth for the radio listeners. So it, it's it happens, probably happens maybe as many as once or twice a game, to be honest with you. And um, that's a challenge. But again, over time and over repetition, I've gotten used to that, and it doesn't intimidate me anymore. Back in the uh, early days of this, 15 years ago, that was scary because now it's like, oh my goodness, we're coming out of the radio break. Like, how am, and, how am I going to get the? How am I going to make this easy? Because yeah, I know I've got make this easy, folks coming back right? in. Exactly, exactly, Luther. So it's like that. And the first time that ever happened for the first couple of years, it was very scary. But now. I, I mean, it's it's second nature to me, and I'm able to 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 just kind of smooth talk it right into bringing the TV people in, and and, and nobody uh, nobody seems to to really notice too much. Take me behind the scenes a little bit on how you get the feel of the flow of how you bring in your sideline reporter, and I'm guessing your sideline reporter is not with you and Kevin on the road. It's just for no, home games only. Well, and and the COVID changed things for us. So uh, yep. we had no we had no side we have no sideline reporter on the road or uh, at home yet for our TV home games on simulcast because of COVID uh, safety restrictions. Having said that, we are uh, this coming Saturday on April seventeenth. We are going to try to deploy a sideline reporter for our final football broadcast. It's a home game, so it's a simulcast. Are you, the are you bringing back the sideline reporter you had last the two years ago? 
yes, we're bringing back that uh, um, his uh, his service for this one game. Uh, he's uh, a student at NAU and um, you know is is wants to be a sportscaster. You know, he's not. I we're still kind of working out the, the the details of this this week, but we don't think he'll be allowed on the sideline per se. He'll probably have to be in the stands uh, um, above the field and cl- close to the sideline, you know, down on the last row. But I, we don't think he's going to be allowed on the field because of uh, COVID nineteen safety protocol requirements. But we're going to try to we're going to try to make that work for this final game. We've been looking at some technical issues with that, and and, and we think we we think we have a, a, a process set up. So. You know, bringing for for me, bringing in the sideline reporter is 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 just as important as as Kevin Stevens and I as play by play in color, and it's again, it's a feel thing. The other part of it is I do have a producer in the truck for TV, and that sideline reporter is in constant communication with the producer in the truck, and uh, that that uh, sideline reporter will often say, "Hey, I've got something here." You know, I'm ready to go, and then the producer will will talk to me in my IFB and my headset and say, "Hey, Mitch, let's let's bring in the sideline reporter. He's got something on an injury report or whatever the case may be." So I'll get a I'll get a cue to do that at the at the first comfortable moment for me to do it, and you know, we'll I'll toss it down to the sideline reporter. But I I love having um, the ability to to also because our sideline reporter can hear me and hear Kevin. And his mic stays open, so you know I, I as as the executive producer have given our sideline reporter the freedom to if you've got something big, you hear us talking about something, and you think you have something relevant to add. Listen in your headset till the moment that we pause, and if you think you can, you know, join us smoothly, join us, and um, so it's. I, I like to have that flow with the three of us, where it, it's it's natural, it's it's not stilted, and it and you know yeah I'll sometimes say hey let's go down to the sideline, uh, because you know Cade's got something here on an injury report. Sometimes yeah I do a hard toss or he'll do a hard toss back, but other times it's just a simple conversation. Hey Mitch, Kevin, I heard you guys talking about the quarterback and coming out of the game and. And, you know, his shoulder's looking good. He's warming up. He's getting ready to come back. Great, Kate. Thanks so much for that. You know, it, it sometimes can be just a natural conversation, more organic than than uh, forced. And I think that, that sounds pretty good for the listeners and the viewers. Talk me through spotters, if you don't mind. Because I know they don't have a lot of work to do, but... Spotters are... You, are you having... You know the sight to see the whole field, but yet right. there's more than one occasion where you can't see a player. You know because of long hair covering up the number, or their jerseys are hideous with so many different colors. You can't tell which one is which and where the number is. On, like, say, I don't know, for Eastern Washington, just an example. You have a running back or a wide receiver where their uniforms are not the best in the world to read. And you have to have somebody or your color analyst or somebody spot for you on who caught it so you can catch up. And I know that, that, that the issue of spotters is, is, is very important to you, Luther, as a, as a blind sportscaster. And, and I appreciate that question because spotters are the unsung heroes of, of what you and I do, really. <laughs> um, 
And if, and, if only you knew the half of it. <laughs> right. Well, and, and that's that's what I mean. I mean, for you especially, but even for me as a sighted sportscaster, uh, spotter is 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 huge hugely important for all those reasons you just mentioned, and, and even some others. Um, in, what in are those our others? <laughs> well, to be honest with you, it's without a spotter. In a, in a situation like you just described, and I had that situation last week at Southern Utah. Oh, no. And I, and I did not have a spotter because we weren't allowed to have a third person in the booth with us because of COVID. And um, that was the, the sight lines at Southern Utah are awful beyond <laughs> belief. And um, we're very far from the field. We're at the 20 yard line. So when things were going on on the far side of the field Oof. and when the sun went down and the lights came on, it was the game went into the evening hours, into the night, actually. Um, their lighting at that stadium is woefully inadequate. And oh, no. so it was it was impossible at times to know, for example, if the quarterback on an RPO play – you know, did he keep the ball or did he hand it off? Or did he try to throw um, it off the RPO? Yeah, or or trying to throw it off the RPO, or who? What? what what's the number of the running back? I mean, the he's, <laughs> they had they have a twenty six and they've got a twenty eight, and the six and the eight look very very close at a distance in bad light. Sure. And you know they're shuttling in twenty six and twenty eight. Um, it was it was really really challenging, and sometimes uh, you had to just basically stay with the public address guy because he might be the best guy to give you the information. Maybe he would. and I ended up doing that quite a bit last week because of that very issue. Yes, exactly. And PA announcers have spotters. Um, you 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 know you it's very rare that you have a public address announcer at the Division One level who doesn't have a spotter spotting the call for the PA announcer. So um, they had the advantage of better, you know, they're at the 50-yard line. They're up higher than we are, and so they can make that call. But, again, they're the unsung heroes. I mean, when when I have a spotter, when I'm, when I'm blessed and fortunate enough to be able to have one, and I have not had one this entire season, because yeah. even for home games, can't have that third person in the booth um, because of COVID safety. So it has fallen back upon me to really try to focus in on the number of the player that is carrying the football, that made the tackle, that recovered the fumble, that recorded the sack, whatever. Got the interception. Be. Yes, got the interception, but I'm still calling a game. And that's that's the whole that's the whole point of the spotter is that the spotter allows the person calling the game to call the game, call the action exactly. without trying to draw the attention of my mind away from what I'm seeing and focus in on the number. That's why the spotters are the unsung heroes. They make they make the play-by-play people look good and sound good. And um, honestly, it's been it's been a real challenge this season without a spotter. And it has you know forced me back to my early very beginning days as a sportscaster in college and just out of college. Uh, we're we're you know at that level doing high school games and you didn't have spotter you know it just didn't have one and and uh, it's been a challenge it's been a fun challenge in some respects to be honest it's you know you get into a routine Luther as a sportscaster sometimes where it's just all kind of easy for you and things are things are really not challenging you 
this has been a challenge between not having spotters for football and having to call a lot of basketball games remotely from my dining room table in Flagstaff um, because I couldn't travel with the basketball team this year, so I had to do it off of a video screen. It, it's It has pushed and has challenged me, and, and you know what? That's not a bad thing because you know I'm, I'm, I'm about 60 years old, Luther, and it's been a long time since I've been seriously hardcore challenged like that, and, and it feels good to be able to, to get pushed and be able to respond to that, and hopefully in a, in a positive way. Take me on the remote side of things since you brought it up with doing basketball games, hoping and praying the video doesn't glitch out on you and you're behind. Oh, oh. well, yeah, you, you know, hoping and praying. And um, that that happened quite a bit uh, at times. And, and sometimes it was uh, an issue on the uh, on the video feed from the from the arena. Other times it was my internet here at the house. Um, you know, every once in a while the internet here at the house, for whatever reason, uh, you know, we get a little get a little drop off, uh, a little frozen screen. Um, it it just happens. And excuse me one second here because I'm about to sneeze. <coughs> excuse me, um, pardon me for that. And um, you know, there were there were moments this season for basketball where. Um, I was looking at a frozen picture for one, two, three minutes, maybe four, and had to try to call the game off of a a live a live stat feed. Excuse me, and um, you know, you you just my here was my okay. Let me back up. Going into that experience this basketball season, I knew that was going to happen. It was okay. inevitable. You know, it, it's, it, there's no way it wasn't going to happen. Exactly. I, ma- I made a conscious decision in my mind and reaffirmed that every game, that if I have a problem, I'm not going to let it get me down or angry. Sure. And, and, and have that translate to my listeners over the air. The, the listeners are desperate because they, this is the, they're listening to me this is the only way they're going to be have their, their connection to their lumberjacks because they can't go to games, so they're and either going to watch- get the and let's not forget the sound quality. Yes, and the sound quality <laughs> uh, that was also a huge challenge. Trying to get sound from the arena was very difficult. Um, you know, I knew that it was going to have major problems, sure. but I made I made a commitment in my mind and in my heart, and again reaffirmed it. In my mind and heart, every game, I'm not going to let a problem get me down. I'm going to stay positive. I'm going to stay upbeat. I'm going to stay focused on the positivity side. And of I'm things. going to call this game no matter what. Yep, yep no matter what. And it, even if it means that I've got to kind of just, you know, invent some play by play off of a live stat feed or fill time because the, the live stat feeds down, the video is frozen, and I don't know what the heck's going on there, right? Mm-hmm. So what can I what can I say on the broadcast to fill some time but stay positive? And by golly, I I, I made a commitment to that and I stayed true to it. I mean, I know some of my fellow broadcasters in in both the Big Sky Conference and elsewhere that was not easy for them sometimes, and they, and they, you know, I heard them calling remote games on on uh, on occasion, and they got frustrated, and, and and I don't blame them, 
because it is frustrating as a sportscaster. It's literally sure. taking you out of the game. Sure. And and while yeah. you're live, but you know they 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 express their frustration on the air and. I just made a decision that that was not something I was going to do. That I was going to make, if I had to, I'd make fun of it. And and you know, self-deprecating humor is is one of the things I believe very strongly in. I I don't take myself too seriously because I, I I'm I'm a person just like everybody else. And, and if I can't make fun of myself, then, then you know, the what point? the heck? Am, yeah, what's the point? What am I doing here? Have some fun. And boy, the listeners again. This is their only connection to the lumberjacks right now. Mm-hmm. They can't go and see a game, so why give them negativity when they are so hungry to to listen to their lumberjacks on the radio? Mm-hmm. Let's be positive for them. So that was my that was my philosophy, my base philosophy for this most difficult of basketball seasons, and I I will I, I stuck to it, Luther. Um, and, and I'll, and I'll say this, it wasn't easy and I hope and I pray I don't have to ever do it again. I, that was an experience. I'm, I I did it once for one season and I (laughs) sure hope that come November of 2021, when you go to to McHale center at Luton Bobby, because we will go to McHale center again. And, and I, and I will, I will hope that I will be able to get on the team bus and travel with my, with my guys and and be a part of that and call those games from on site because that's the way it needs to be done. And believe me, for those who say that, hey, look, we can save money and have people do remote games on video, they don't know what they're talking about because again, no, they don't. They they really don't because, because I listen to more than one broadcast, at least maybe two or three, or even the UConn women's basketball teams, all their games were pretty much, especially on the road trips, were remote. Absolutely. And maybe two or three of the games, you got good, clear sound. Everything else, you got the crowd noise, and that was it. Yeah, it was. It, it it doesn't sound good. It it's. I I think the listeners were very patient in this COVID year because that was it. I mean, they this was the only way to listen to to games. On, I think Wisconsin uh, on was the only one that actually pulled off actually getting live sound every game. Well, I I I, I was able to get live sound on a couple of games, but honestly, Luther, it even that when I did have the live sound, it would come in and go out. The levels yeah. were uneven. Um, oftentimes it would just simply just just go quiet uh, because of the connection was bad or the mics there were bad or whatever the case may be. The system was bad. Um, it was jury rigged, um, just kind of thrown together. Uh, there, there's there is no substitute, none, none. In in radio, there is no. In TV, you can get away with get this. away with that, but not in radio, Luther. No, and 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 I would I would argue to 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 the death almost that's a hill i would die on to to say this is you may be saving money by not sending us on on but on it's those gonna trips. hurt you it's gonna hurt you but, in the long run yes because you don't it's have, gonna hurt in the long run it will is, it will hurt in the long run and and people it once the covid issue is behind us and people can have choices on how they how they follow their teams you will you will have a <laughs> terrible impact on the listenership because it's just it's not pleasant to listen to no it it was almost like pulling teeth i'm like my god i've never had to have my i've never had to listen to literally 
with my computer speakers up more than I ever had this year no, with no sound. And if you got sound, you were lucky. Yes. Agreed. 100%. 100% agree with that. Are you are you still doing baseball in any year or are you still doing football and men's basketball? No, we don't we don't have a baseball team any longer at Northern Arizona University. It was uh that program was shut down in the nineteen eighties on uh, 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 gender equity issues, I believe at the time. And um but no, uh no baseball, no softball. Um right now, uh my play by play duties for Northern Arizona University are football and men's basketball with uh an occasional women's game when it doesn't conflict with the men's team. Um, and it, it, it's between that, honestly, though, Luther, and and being the general manager of NAU TV, which is, quote-unquote, my full-time job, <laughs> um, I, I, I have, I'm working what amounts to about uh, one-and-a-half full-time jobs. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty busy. So when you're not doing play play and when you're working with NAU TV, what are the, like, your normal roles and jobs as the head boss handling the TV side when you're not doing the radio side and what things are you working on since I know football season's just about over but you're also getting ready for the normalized football season which will be what September right late September August? yeah September is when football will will hopefully kick up again here in in 2021 and um and and we'll all keep our fingers crossed and hope and pray that 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 happens uh but to to answer your question i i run a television station and it it is a it is a true television station we're on 24 7 on local on local cable and also uh we have an online stream as well and we produce content um for northern arizona university for broadcast on that tv station nau related content uh, for example, right now, as we speak, my department is in the process of of shooting and producing all of the many hundreds of elements that will be put together on April 30th for our virtual commencement ceremonies, spring commencement. Wow! And because we we can't, we still are not able to have commencement live um, uh, in person yet. That hopefully will change. Uh, in 2021, later in the year, in, in December, but right now we're still having to do events such as commencement with more than 8,000 graduates um, who are going to be getting their diplomas here at the end of April. We're shooting and producing all of that content uh, to be put together as a virtual commencement ceremony. So that's just one example. But but we we are a um, a, a video and digital content creation department for the university with a full-time 24-hour television station so my to answer your question my job is running that department and um, we have uh, nine full-time employees and anywhere from 20 to 30 part-time employees that are are a part of our department and we're we're producing an awful lot of live content also uh, recorded content uh, but you know live sports broadcasts are a part of that mix as well and uh, it's uh, it's something that um, uh, keeps everyone in, in NAU TV busy year year round. So how did was was NAU TV there when you came aboard, or was it? Yes, NAU, NAU, TV, NAU TV goes all the way back to uh, even before I came around Flagstaff. Like I said, my I, I came to Flagstaff originally in 1988, and and um, I I did my first game 
on in '91 for NAU TV. Just as, but I was just, you know, I wasn't an employee. They just asked me if I would be willing to do it, and I said, "You betcha." Who was the voice at that time before you took it over? Um, I believe it was a gentleman by the name of Rick Turner, um, who was a longtime voice of the Lumberjacks in the 80s into the early 90s, wow. and uh, he was doing radio only. The game, the games back then, there was there were not simulcast. It was you had a you had a TV side, you had a radio side. And radio was completely a separate deal. Um, it, the, the, the broadcast rights were owned by the radio station, not by uh, the university. They paid the university for broadcast rights, so they owned the rights. And you know, this was way before you know media partnership companies like Learfield and others came into mm-hmm. being, and IMG. Um, and so it was a two, it was a separate thing, actually. And you know. Um, it was. It wasn't for me until 1995 that I was brought on as the radio voice of the Lumberjacks, and that's when uh, the simulcasting began. And you did a food show for a brief period. And I, I did. Know you were talking I, I did. To, um, what was it, Logan Anderson? I believe on yes. his pod about that. Yeah, Logan, great guy. I love him. Um, uh, say, say the damn score podcast. Uh, yeah. I believe is yep. And, and I've, uh, had yeah. him, I'm out of, I've had him as a guest on my, on this pod too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, just a just a really good guy, and and I've had a chance to meet him once. And but uh, he, uh, yeah, I, I did a uh, I did a cooking show for about uh, eight years on NAU TV. Um, I was the host of it. it. Was called What's Cooking, and we, you know, I would get. Uh, I get some local chefs from local restaurants in the teaching kitchen, and we would, you know, uh, fashion up some some of their some of their best recipes and teaching, uh, you know, cooking tips. And uh, it was a it was a real fun show. It runs in it. We still run it on NAU TV and repeats. Very popular, I'm understanding, and uh, I'm actually playing with the idea after COVID is over of, you know, when we can do things like that safely again of maybe resurrecting that that show because it, it seems to have a life of its own uh, even though we haven't produced a, a what's cooking episode for six years it's still it's still popular and repeats so you know we're thinking of doing a doing it again and getting me back in the kitchen i love it and uh, it's one of my i love to cook and and i'm not very good so i i it's easy for me to to go in and have fun and and uh, showcase these really good chefs when you've done playoff games, I mean, I know there's something a little different because you know that you're basically in a one and done situation. If you win, you move on, you lose, you're, you know, you pack it up and then you're done until next season. But what is a feeling like of at least being in a one double A at the college level of making that type of a tournament? Because it feels like at that lower level, with the big sky conference and all the other smaller conferences that don't get a chance to play at the, at the big CFB college football playoff in bracket form, kind of like the men's and men's and women's NCAA tournament at the one double a level. It feels like that playoff has a little bit, something extra. It does. And it is, um, it is a true championship. I, I you know, you you can argue this with me all you want, and, and I'm not going to budge 
on this. It we we crown a true champion in the FCS ranks. I agree with um, you. And and the FBS with the the college football playoff, it at least they finally got you know a four team playoff in place. Um, but to me, it's that it, that still is not really representative of a true championship until such time as they finally add at least a couple of more teams, if not uh, four more teams, and and make sure that uh, both Power Five and non Power Five representation is is there. Uh, that that is only just a money making operation. Sure. Uh, the FCS tournament is is a true championship tournament. And it is very much like March Madness. It's a one and done. And, you know, you can play as many as five games in that tournament if you don't get a first round bye. Uh, or you can, if you get a first round bye, if you win four games, you're a national champion. And it's a true tournament, seeded, bracketed. Um, it, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And it, it, I think it adds so much spice and energy to to the postseason for the FCS uh, uh, conferences. And um, honestly, you know, we haven't had a, a lot of opportunities for NAU to be in that tournament. Um, I, I've called my career, I've only called a couple of, of, of uh, playoff games. And uh, I, I sure hope that with our new head coach and Chris Ball and the trajectory of our football program, Luther, that we're a team that will start competing for not just Big Sky championships, but national championships moving forward here because um, it's a lot of fun. I mean, I know I kept you longer than what we scheduled, but I do want to take this to a coaching side of it. As a broadcaster, you know the goal is to have the best relationship possible on and off the field with the coach. So... When you're dealing with coaches and you have to deal with them as coaches, but also as human beings as well, how do you balance out understanding them <clears throat> with them being a head coach, but also you're dealing with them from a broadcast standpoint? How do you make sure that broadcast to coach relationship actually works and you're gaining trust of the coaches and players so you can get you know things that will help you in the broadcast and things that you know that you can't say off the record that you know cannot be said because you know if you say it it's going to probably ruin your relationship with the coach or you may be on shaky ground with the coaches or players and they may not give you as much access as you would like to get I think, Luther, in your question, you used the word that is the absolute most important word in the answer to your question, and that's trust. You, you have to, to go out of your way as a broadcaster to build and earn the trust of your coach, your head coach, uh, your assistant coaches also, by the way, yep. and, 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 your, and the players as well, the student-athletes. You, you have to work at that. It's something that um, for some people doesn't, doesn't come naturally and and some coaches as i'm sure you know are are sometimes lend themselves to not wanting to trust broadcasters because they're afraid that you'll will do exactly as you said reveal information that would be um advantageous to the opponent or damaging to the program so it's a it's a question of trust building and i and i view it this way 
if I can't build trust with my head coach and his assistant coaches and my players, I am two things. One, I am not a good broadcaster. Two, I am not able to bring to the broadcast all of that rich and wonderful inside information that others can do when they have trust with their coaches and their players. So I go out of my way to do that. And and you earn that trust by, in my opinion, by being honest and being forthright with who you are as a human being, not as even a broadcaster, but as a person, right? Yep. So I, I, I make sure that my coaches know that if they say something to me that they don't want out publicly, it will not come out publicly. Exactly. Ever. ever. Exactly. It just won't. It just won't. And I will not violate that. I, no, I mean, I will. I will can't. take that. I will take that to my grave if I have to, to to protect that trust. The other part is, I I go to my coaches and I say I will even say to them, "Hey, can I ask you about this? Is this something that you are comfortable talking with me about? What of this can I say on the air? Tell me what I can't say." I let them drive the bus. Sure. I, 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 I'm a passenger, right? Mm-hmm. They're the ones that are, are running the, the, the show here. So my, my, I always view one of my, my roles and my jobs as the voice of the Lumberjacks is to promote the Lumberjacks in a positive light. That's what I get paid to do. Yeah. My paycheck comes from the university. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm not looking for that salacious, scandalous information. It's like, oh, if no, I get no. this. But but let, let's be frank here. There there are always things that happen behind the scenes that that could become an issue if it were to be public. And as somebody who has access to the team on the inside, you know, I have to, to be also be very conscious and aware of what is it that is going to to need to stay quiet and private and what is it that I can I can say and talk about publicly and if I have to I'll ask I'll ask the question is this okay to talk about on the air and if they say no it ain't going on the air I mean it, it, it never ever will happen and I'm not going to share it with other people off the air either right. so it's because it's none of their business and plus you no, no you're you're no. the what, what was that adage? You were the uh, fourth wall, like the press or something? I can't remember exactly what the, uh, what the, the adage the fourth, was. The fourth estate is what I think you're thinking of, Luther. Yes, and, and, exactly. And look, I, no, I, I work for the university. I am a university employee. I am the voice of this football and basketball team. I'm going to do everything in my power, period, to, to paint my team in a positive light. Now, if something negative happens and I'm told, okay, Mitch, you can say this. Say like, for example, and this has happened many times over the years, maybe a player gets suspended from the team for a violation of team rules. Right. And I might know what rule that is that that player broke, but when the coach says, hey, you can say that Mitch Stroman has been suspended from Saturday's game for a violation of team rules, but you can't say anything else, then that's exactly what I'm going to say, Luther, and I'm not going to say another word about it. And I'm going to go to bed and sleep well at night knowing that I did that, and I'm not going to have any conflict in my heart or my mind that I'm not you know, being a, a true journalist in that sense because that's not what I'm getting paid to do. 
I'm getting paid to be a positive voice for my university and for my football and basketball teams. And, the and I take, I take the that very seriously. I take it very seriously. And being the conduit to the fan because the fan wants to know, hey, why is this player hey, not playing? Exactly, the fan and, within limit. And in this in this day and age of social media, you know, where where, where players are out, you know, talking on social media and expressing themselves, etc. You know, there might be some way that you know some reporter for a newspaper or or a TV station outside of the university's environment might might get that reason why the player is is being suspended for a violation of team rules, and they'll put it out there. Right. Well, that that's that's them. But they sure as hell are not going to get it from me. And and as long as my coach says, here's what you can say, then by God, that's exactly all I'm going to say. And I'm going to stick to it. But, you know, when you get reporters like, Mitch, what are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on that? Like for a player that you know that you know is not playing and you know that the coach already said you can't give that. The best thing you can probably say for you is no comment because you already know what the Cubs already said that you can and can't say. Yeah, you know, no comment's a tough one because it it's it it, it suggests that you're trying to to conceal something or that there's something negative out there that you're not sharing. So I I try to stay away from no comment because honestly, again, it it paints a picture, I think, in people's minds of of negativity and of secrecy. So instead, what I try to do is if somebody asks me a question about say a player and and they're trying to get me to say something provocative or negative, you know, I have to be smart enough to think on my feet to to try and redirect the conversation to something that is positive. And, And it's you know, there's a skill to that. You can call me a politician if you'd like, um, but I, I take a lot of pride in being able to do that. And I've had it happen, as you suggest. I've had reporters or people who have interviewed me on radio stations, on sports talk shows, sure. um, trying to get me to to to, to like, dive like, into something. And give me a and I on that. give me a thought on that. Like, I'm I'm really yeah I'm really I feel like. I've got a good skill at that. I'm going to be honest. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not an ego on this. I'm just, sure. I just feel like I know what I'm doing. You know, you, you, I've had people really try to ask me the same question three or four times over and, and get me to say that negative thing. They're not going to catch me because I'm wise to that. I used to do that in my old life as a journalist. So I know the tricks and, and I know they're coming and I know how to deflect and redirect the conversation to, to make something positive. And I take, I quite frankly, I, I'm feeling pretty good at it. Who was the biggest mentor for you coming up into this business besides, you know, at college? Like when you got into the real world and actually stepped into the job you have now, or even before the job you had now, and basically told you, okay, here's the do's and the don'ts. You know, I quite frankly was unfortunately really didn't have a mentor like that. Um, I kind of learned this thing on my own from scratch. The, the the person that I would definitely say though that has meant has been my my best mentor uh, about about integrity and in sports and and just being a good person are my parents. And mm-hmm. you know, I. I my dad was, you know, he was, he taught me passion for sports and for baseball and 
for football and basketball and hockey. And, you know, my, my mom and dad kind of instilled in me what I, what I consider to be my, my value system, um, that I, I feel very strongly about. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a person that, that tries to be positive and tries to be kind and, and helpful to others as much as I possibly can. Um, and I get that, I think from my, my folks and, uh, but as far as is as the a true mentor as a broadcaster, I'm I'm unfortunately and and that question really kind of hits me a little bit because I don't think I've really given that a lot of thought until just now. But unfortunately, kind of growing up as a young sportscaster, I really didn't have somebody that took me under their wing yes. and and mental and mentored me like that. And you know, um, sure. Reflecting on that, Luther, it's that's kind of a sad thought, honestly. Uh, well, I had not to kind really, of... because a lot. I think a lot of broadcasters are self-taught, but you know, as I always have said to many people, it's like, where do you learn this? Where do you learn that? And I'm like, guess what? Most of this is at home. Most of this is common sense. That that's a that's a that's a really fair point, and and you know, I the 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 concept of common sense, I think, is something that a lot of people, quite frankly, don't, don't give enough credit. Have. And, and they don't have, um, and I feel like you know I'm I've got a I got a good dose of common sense in my heart, and you know again I'm I I just you know I look back on it now and yeah I I didn't have somebody like that mentoring me and I don't know where my career would have gone if if somebody had been maybe it would have gone in a different way I don't know but I will say this um, you know I have fewer days as a broadcaster and a sportscaster ahead of me than I do behind me now at my age and I Back still love, I, I, I still love what I do and I have a passion for it and I have fun with it and you know what all of the positive and negative experiences that I've had growing up as a sportscaster as a professional have helped to get me to where I am today so although I when you ask me that question I I go wow I didn't really have somebody like that I wish I had but Maybe not. Maybe I wouldn't be where I'm at, I am today. I would have gone a different direction. Who knows? So well, put it this way: at least, at least, would you have common sense? At least you already know the do's and the don'ts and the tricks of the trade that you can pass on because you know there's going to be somebody coming behind you at some I, point. Yeah, I, I think so. And and I, you know, so I, you know, one of the things that I I, I try to be a mentor to, to our students at Northern Arizona University that want to be sportscasters. And and maybe I, I take that so seriously because of the fact that maybe I didn't have somebody like that that was shepherding me along in my early years, and um, you know, so maybe that's my way, perhaps of 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 giving back and paying it forward as as I as I start to see um, an an end point here as as I'm you know getting ready to turn sixty and. And, and um, you know, there are, like I said, fewer days ahead of me than behind me on, on that side of things. And, you know, it's going to be folks like yourself, Luther, that are going to have to step in and take these roles from us. And, and uh, hopefully I'm able to positively, and I know I have because I've, 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 I've seen some of the people that, that have come through Northern Arizona University School of Communication that I know I had a hand in mentoring in who are successful in many different places across the country and, that's a pretty cool feeling to know that that I've had a, a the ability to pass on something positive in paying that forward. 
this has been a blast. I know I, we went way over the time that you had in mind, but I know you had a, you know, other, another obligation with the head boss. So, yeah, that happens. Well, I appreciate appreciate you luther thank you so much what you do is as, as a blind sportscaster is is nothing short of just amazing to me and it's something to be uh to to be looked at and admired by folks not just in my business in our business but but people that are not i mean your story is is incredible and um I, i'm just i'm so delighted to be able to 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 be on your podcast here finally and and um, I, I hope that as you move forward as a sportscaster, um, that you have the same kind of, of great experiences that I've had in my career, uh, that someday you'll be, you know, looking at my age and, and at your age as my age and looking back and saying, hey, I did something, something pretty special and something that's really, really worthy of passing along and Thank you so much for having me on your podcast, Luther. It's been a delight. Thank you. Hopefully, the next time we do this again will be normal, and hopefully, we'll actually have some normal seasons to talk about, and maybe we'll actually have some special memories with, with new players, uh, new faces, and key places, and actually have something called live events again. Ha! Uh, amen to that, Luther King. Amen to that. My thanks to the voice of the NAU Lumberjack, Mitch Strowman for being my guest on another episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast, and I'd like to thank you for listening. Please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on your favorite podcast platform and directory. If you have suggestions, please email me or find me on Facebook at luther.king.tsb at gmail.com, on Twitter at king underscore tsb, and on Instagram at lking.cardinalsfan85. You can look at the Luther King Broadcast Network website, Luther King Broadcast Network Facebook page, and the Blind Broadcaster Podcast Facebook page for information on the network and podcast. Until next time, this has been another exciting episode of the Blind Broadcaster Podcast on your exclusive home, the Luther King Broadcast Network. You've been listening to the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network. Each episode, Luther King sits down with fellow broadcasters to get their insight into their passion for broadcasting and discuss their career journey. Blind from birth, Luther King never let that stop him from attaining his goal of becoming a blind broadcaster. To find out more about the Blind Broadcaster Podcast presented by the Luther King Broadcast Network, search the Blind Broadcaster Podcast or Luther King Broadcast Network on social media or visit Luther King Broadcast Network network.com.